We are live. Good morning, everybody. How is everyone? Nice, nice, nice. Okay. Okay. Yes, sir. I got it. What's going on? Hello, Rain. Hello, Nicole. Hello, Andy. Hello, Maria. You're funny, Andy. Not even kosher. Not even kosher. Silly man. Silly man. Give me a second. I'm just getting everything set up. It's what I said yesterday. What? I asked you if you had your podcast up and you yeah, I got everything going. I said usually it's a whole lot. I got to get everything going. <laughs> I know. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? All right, there we go. There we go. How is everybody today? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Nicole says Andy gave her a shocking gift. What was that? Do I dare ask? He's pregnant? I was thinking the same thing. What was that, Nicole? That scares me for you. <laughs> I told you not to test the taser on your tongue, Nicole. <laughs> hey, Patrick. Hello, Patrick. Very cool. Very cool, Nicole. She got a personal reading from a medium, and it was cool, sad, and happy. That's awesome. That's totally awesome. Very, very cool. How is everybody today? It's a little bit warm here today. I don't know about you, or am I going through a hot flash? Who the hell knows? I'm going to guess the lighter of the two. Yeah, you're fine. Huh? I said you're fine. No, I said I'm, for you, I'm going to go for the lighter of the two. That I'm going through a hot flash? Yeah. That's what I'm saying, that you're fine, you're not hot? <laughs> so on today's show, I guess we're going to talk about um, elves, little folk, little people, Icelandic elves. Then we're going to talk about some gremlins. And then we're going to go back to that story we were talking about last week before we got cut off about Transylvania. Is it a portal to another dimension? Because there's some UFO mysterious happenings over there. Well, I hope you get better soon, Patrick. Definitely. I really, really hope you feel better. I hate when I hate when you guys are sick. I really do. I don't like it at all. Can you hold on one second?
You know the machine elves very well. What are machine elves? They're the ones that bust up the machines. Oh, that's me. That's you? I bust all kinds of machines when I don't win. Uh, that was the after Nicole was accusing me of inquiring what day she would, wouldn't be home for all the wrong reasons. Oh, is that it? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, gremlins. Don't get them wet and don't feed them after midnight. That's right. That's right. Don't want to do that. Feed them at twelve oh one and throw them in a public pool. (laughs) There you go, right? Right. Now I get a lag. Oh yeah. You do, yeah. Oh, I have a lag. Well, I guess I do too now. (laughs) Thank you, Nicole, for the ice cream. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Definitely appreciate it. All right, so some machine elves. They're like robotic elves, but also seem, hold on, my mic thing's in the way. Uh, They're like robotic elves, but also seem to keep the cogs of the universe in working order. Infinite knowledge on those buggers. Did did you know we're alive? Yeah. Okay. Because Freaky Geek said, you know you're live? I am. We are. <laughs> How's it going, Freaky? Hey, hey, Freaky Geek. Welcome, welcome. How is you? So we're just going to... Hi, Heather. Hey, Heather. Welcome, welcome. How's you doing? We'll jump right into it because there's a lot to cover. A lot of lovely stories. Not bad yet. <laughs> That's good. So on the southwest corner of Iceland, just to the south of the city of Reykjavik, and you know I'm going to pronounce these names wrong, so I'm going to just go for it, <laughs> is a small peninsula that juts out in the cold world waters of the North Atlantic. It's known as the Appletines Peninsula, and although few people live there, the local government recently decided to connect a small stretch of land to the town of Gardeberg, a suburb of Rudgewick. And last year, however, construction in the new road was brought to a halt. Shut up, Andy. I see you over there. Um, <laughs> standing in their way was a massive rock, a 12-foot high and weighing an estimate at 70 tons. And according to the Highway Department employee, Peter Matheson, the rock was presented an unusual challenge to his department's construction project. Now, you have to understand something about Iceland. Much of the region is a vast expanse of sparse grass and large volcanic rock formations. The ground literally boils with hot water at the springs and geysers, and the sky seems to be eternally gray and cloudy. So it's important to recognize that there are hundreds, maybe thousands of these volcanic stones under the construction route. So what could possibly be so important about this one? Thank you, Heather, for the ice cream. 
So what could be so possibly important about this particular stone? Why would the highway department go to such lengths, even covering the expense of hiring a crane just to move the stone to a safer location? The stone, they say, is inhabited. It is and has been for many long centuries home to the hiddle folk, the hidden people. They are the size and shape of humans and live in much of the same way as we do, except, of course, they're invisible. In the late 1930s, another road construction project in the same area Iceland was planned to cut straight through the hill known as Alphal. From the beginning, though, the project was met with challenges. First, the money of the project simply ran out. And when funding resumed a decade later, construction encounters even construction encountered even more problems. The machines that were used to cut through the hill started to break at an unusual rate. Tools were damaged and lost. And in the end, the road was simply built around the hill to avoid the digging altogether. When the road was due for an update in the 1980s, the notion of demolishing the hill was again brought up. And this time, more machinery was brought in to drill through the actual hill. After the first drill broke, another was brought in, but it was it too stopped working. And after, the, after that, the workers themselves even refused to bring any of their own tools near the hill out of fear that they would be lost or broken by the hill folk who guard the place. Hey, Carol. Hey, Carol. Welcome, welcome. So Iceland is a culture that is teeming with reference in this invisible society human, of human-like creatures. In recent survey, more than half the people in the country, 54%, in fact, said that they believe in the existence of these creatures. But who are the Hiddelvolk? According to Iceland, Iceland, yeah, Icelandic folklore, the hidden people can be traced back to Adam and Eve. According to the legend, (laughs) Eve had a number of children who she hid from God. But God, being aware of everything that happens, found them anyway. In the story, God declared that what man hides from God, God will hide from man. As a result, these children of Adam and Eve vanish from sight and live alongside humans ever since, hidden from our eyes. Wherever they come from, Iceland is apparently filled with them. They are described as being the same size as humans, usually clad in 19th century Icelandic clothing, which is often described as being green and simple. The people of Iceland have another term for these creatures, though. They don't use it often as Hiddelfolk because they feel it's not respectful to the hidden people. But it's a word that we all know, and the history and meaning runs very deep. They call them elves. Now, when we think of elves, most of us imagine the little people who help Santa Claus in the workshop in the North Pole. We picture tiny people with pointed ears who wear tall pointed hats. But that vision of elves is actually new dating only back to the Victorian area fairy tales, when French stories of fairies were mixed and confused with more ancient tales of elves from the Celtic, Germanic, and Scandinavian people. Yeah, Nicole, now they they still believe they're there. 
54% of the, the country. The oldest records of something resembling elves are from Anglo-Saxon England and medieval Iceland, though there are some records that exist from Germany as well, and the characteristics are consistent across the continents. Elves were described as human-like, but they were once divine creatures and some unknown origin and that they were very, very, very dangerous. In Norse mythology, elves were mainly thought of as female who lived in the hills and mounds of stone. The Swedish elves were said to be beautiful girls who lived in the forest with their king, and the Scandinavian folklore describes them as fair-haired, dressed in white, and dangerous when offended. Golden Mane Heidi? Could be. Hello, yeah. Interpol. Hello, Interpol. How are you? Um, Patrick said there's a story of a road in Switzerland similar to this one. They have, they even have road signs in the road naming them in the extreme north of, yeah. I mean, they truly believe in this stuff. That's, that's what it's so cool about, um, Europe and over here is because Europe, there's so much folklore and they really still believe in it. And it's really cool. That's why I want to go visit castles and all that. <laughs> so, in fact, in many folk tales, elves were given the role of the disease spirit. An elf could inflict horrible skin rashes on the one who offended them. And the term was called elven blow. Elven blow. Shut up, Andy. <laughs> The only way to come and satisfy them was actually visit their homes, often a large pile of stones or a large, a large stone in the woods and leaving them offerings of food. Elves, you see, were dangerous. At first, elves were simply thought as mischievous pranksters. Anything odd that happened during a person's day would be blamed on elves. A tangible person's hair or a tangle of a person's hair, was called an elf lock, and the birthmarks were referred as elf marks. Elves had a darker side, however. Much like their cultural counterparts in other countries such as hobs, leprechauns, hobgoblins, and trolls, elves were known to be highly dangerous. A deep common thread throughout all cultures is how easy it Easily it is to offend them, and how terrible the consequences might be if that happened. One such tale was that of the changeling. According to the legend, elves would invade the home of a new parent and swap out their infant child for a small elf. Now, while the human baby would be wonderfully cared for back at the home of the elves, the surrogate that was left behind the changeling, it was called, would be fussy and unhappy. In Iceland, well, honey? Then just put it on the shelf. Then you got it up on the shelf. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. Remember that movie we watched, though, The Changeling? That was a good freaking movie. Yeah, that was creepy as hell. In Iceland, there are tales of Hildefolk who kidnap adults who are then taken back to the hills to work for the hidden people. In their place, the hill folk leave emotionless, 
hollow copies of the one they take. It was said if someone you knew underwent a severe personality change, becoming depressed or listless, it was because they had been replaced by elves. It was also believed that elves could enter the dreams of sleeping people and cause nightmares to happen. In fact, the German word for nightmares is Elbedrucken, which literally means elf pressure. You see, it is horrible and unexplainable or tragic. There was always one easy explanation that dominated medieval minds. Blame it on the elves. But if there was, but what if these were just more than fairy tales? If so, that might explain the incredible similar story that exists among the native tribes of the American Northeast. In 2011, a nonprofit. <laughs> what? Heather says, I don't ever look at an elf on the shelf the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> in 2011, a nonprofit housing developer in the United States began the final stages of their plan to build a 19,120-unit construction project known as The Village. Everything looked promising. It would generate roughly $1 million in tax revenue for the town of Mountville, Connecticut. It would create over 100 construction-related jobs, and once completed, would actually provide affordable housing for scores of local family. Now, because the Village Project was a nonprofit endeavor, the development company applied for federal funding to offset their costs. As a requirement for the funding process, the developer was required to complete an archaeological survey of the 12.2-acre parcel of land. And that's when they hit the snag. The proposed building site, it turns out, encroached on Mohican tribe property. The Mohican people were an offshoot of the Quote tribe, and I'm probably saying that wrong, I'm sorry, but originating in 17th century Connecticut. They had deep roots in the area, and naturally parts of their historic past was still present today. Among the sensitive archaeological sites that the Mohican tribe claimed were at risk for was Fort Shentak, Mushup's Rock, and Mohican Hill. None of these historic sites are usual in any way, but when the tribe historic preservation officer for the Mohican presented their case to the Federal Housing and Urban Development Department, there was one complaint that stood out among others. Creatures, they claimed, lived inside the Mohican Hill. The construction project threatened their lives, and unless it was stopped, the little people, as they call them, would disappear, leaving the tribe unprotected from outsiders. See, the tribe has long believed in the existence of creatures who they call Mekawaskusug, the little people. The stone piles on the top of Mohican Hill were said to have been built by them long ago and served as a protection from the outside world. The little people have remained inside the hill ever since, guarding the stones and protecting the tribe. And there was snow with the keyboard all putting in their cookies. <laughs> <laughs> there were powerful creatures that could protect and preserve the tribe, but if ignored or treated poorly, could also bring great harm and chaos. Damn chaos. 
And so naturally, the Mohican people became very good at managing their relationship with them. One of the most prominent, prominent Mohican tribe members of the last century was a woman named Gladys, I'm going to just say T, <laughs> who passed away in 2005 at the age of 106. She was 10th generation descendant of the Mohican tribe, Chief Uncas, a prominent colonial era leader and also a tribal medicine woman. Her role included maintaining her tribe's knowledge of the little people and how to interact with them. According to her, there were even there, there were even four non-negotiable laws for dealing with the little people. How this shit turn on me now? Because you're the chaos that it brings, apparently. I'm a Keebler elf. You're a Keebler elf? <laughs> and elves bring more chaos, more oddies. More oddies. <laughs> God help us all. <laughs> God help me. <laughs> hey, Circle. Hello, Circle. How are you? So the four non-negotiable laws for dealing with the little people are... First, servant protector, leader, and matriarchal deity, Granny Squanet. Second, never speak to them in summer months when they are most active. Third, never stare directly at one or else the creatures would become invisible and steal your belongings. And finally, leave them offerings from time to time. And so to this day... The Mohican tribes continue to make offerings to these creatures in hopes that they will continue their role as protectors and guardians of the tribe. It's a tradition to leave them an offering of cornmeal and berries and sometimes even meat. Sound familiar? The vast majority of people in the world really don't believe in the existence of elves or hidden people living living in the bones of the earth. One explanation as to why Iceland is different, though, actually has to do with Vikings. You see, when they conquer a city, the Vikings had real-life enemies to focus their hatred on. When they settled in in Iceland, however, no one was there to be defeated. Perhaps the Hiddelfolk provided that excuse for the Vikings needed to feel like conquerors in a land with no native inhabitants. Hey, distracted. Hey, easily distracted. How are you? Other scholars believe that elves represent our connection to the earth of the old. They are sort of primitive in, environmentalists, a reminder that of the way of life used to be before urban sprawled and manufacturing left a mark in its world. Whatever the ease, reason being, our ancestors firmly believed in these otherworldly beings who could bless or curse them at will. Exactly. Yeah, I believe that, Patrick. When you really think about it, there is always some truth. And there's been a lot of stories about people seeing little people. Not a lot of stories. They're hard to come by. But, I mean, for real, people are like, why, you know, like they're not going to say anything because people think they're nuts. Is it with Andrew? Uh, According to the Maori history, when they arrived in New Zealand, the place was already populated by redhead people and blonde, tiny people. I believe it. Yeah. So, um, elves served as an excuse for the unexplained, a solid ground when nothing to seem makes sense. 
We might laugh it off from our modern, modern point of view, but centuries ago, elves literally gave people an opportunity to hope or a reason to be afraid. Hey, Smoke. Hey, Smoke, how are you? And remember that Peter Matheson, the highway department employee in, in Revijik, Iceland? He made it very clear to journalists that he doesn't believe in elves, but that doesn't stop him from telling an odd story to those who ask. Apparently, his family came from the north side of Ireland or Iceland long ago. There in the wild north country, the family claimed to have a protective elf who brought good fortune to them. They moved south, and the family elf remained behind. Thank you, Linz, for hosting. I appreciate it, hon. Hi, Linz. Welcome, welcome. So the elf, the family elf. Hi, Fallen Angel. Hey, Fallen Angel. How are you? Welcome. So the family elf remained behind. Peter recalled going on a camping trip in the north some years ago. And before he left, his father asked him, while he was there, to go and pay some respects to the elf to thank her for their help, for her help that she had given to his family. Not being one to believe in the old stories, Peter claims he forgot. The next day, however, despite an overcast sky and wet drizzle, he woke up sore and blistered by what he described as something like a sunburn. In fact, he could barely stand. Did Peter experience some random mysterious dermatological episode, or was he a victim of the elven blow from the angry family Patreon? Like his ancestors, the easiest explanation might just be most otherworldly. So, I mean, you can believe or you can't believe. You don't believe, you know what I mean? But back then, they lived by that stuff. Oh, Angel says, uh, she's doing okay. You seen someone shoot you out. She didn't get a notification that you were alive. Ah, uh, that figures. You know how YouTube is. <laughs> Welcome, everybody that came in. I hope you all are doing well. So, I mean. Patrick says, as our tech gets more advanced and our science advances, we lose the belief in cryptoids. Mm-hmm. So true, and it's sad because there's so many out there, and, and you know. Thank you, Nicole. You're the best. You're the best around. You guys are the best. <coughs> but, yeah, definitely. Hey, Giggles. Hey, Giggles. How are you? But, yeah, I mean, back then, everybody believed in stuff like that. You know, the elves. We're well, going to be, talk- be talking about the gremlins. Thank you for the ice cream, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you for the two ice creams, Patrick. Oh, thank you for the lemons. We like lemons. Lemon flavored ice cream. That's right. So we'll take a break from that. Before we get into the gremlins, we'll talk about this UFO stuff going on in Transylvania. 
Who'd have thunk? We talked about this last Wednesday before we got cut off. And uh, so who would have thunk <laughs> that UFO activity that over in Transylvania there would be UFO activity? I don't put Transylvania. I think because Transylvania holds the record for vampire. <laughs> you know what I mean? It holds to that's where Dracula is. So nothing else should be around there. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Hey, hey lady. Hey, lady blind wolf. How are you? Don't add water to the gremlins. Yes, after midnight. Don't oh, feed them. Right. <laughs> but I mean, so I think that's why I have a hard time, you know, thinking that UFOs would be over there. <laughs> it's like. Why not? You got vampires. Why have UFOs? I know, but they shouldn't go together. Why not? Dracula should not be. Dracula should not be finding, you know, flying around and no UFOs. It just don't meld right. <laughs> Watch yours. Set my copy down. Vampires. Ha ha! Didn't give me the call. <laughs> It's like a sneeze. I went to take a drink and I'm like, oh, I better put it down before I jump and, you know. So UFOs and mysterious happenings in Transylvania. They're asking, is it a portal to another dimension? Apparently, extraterrestrials have always carefully observed humans and their actions, no matter the time or place. They observe us. They found us a very long time ago but do not want to make contact with us. You didn't give me that time either. Good try, Lens. <laughs> um, but ask yourself why. Perhaps maybe because we're not enough civilized. And he said, Dracula be better off in a UFO. He can readily avoid the sun by staying where the dark. Yeah, that's true. Where it's dark, easily. That's true. Never thought about that. Patrick said, there's a place. Ah, don't be scrolling up on me. There's a place in a forest that is haunted in Transylvania in a clearing that trees will not grow. Lead blind said, because there's a lot of stuff I was going to bring up about owls. I love owls. Easily distracted said, my husband family came from the land that is home of the werewolves and witches in Poland. Wow, that's pretty nifty. Trans Nicole said Transylvania has so many cool legends and myths, too. Andy said, where's UFOs coming here? Were UFOs coming here when the dinosaurs are mega mammals? I believe it. Yeah, I told you that uh, archaeologists covered up the uh, dinosaur bones that had a you open his mouth. <laughs> I'm like, what? When did this happen? No. <laughs> um, Patrick said it's like that as far back as history is recorded in the area and people disappear. That's pretty cool, Patrick. I want to go there. I am fascinated. I'm sorry. I am fascinated with when people jump time. We're going to be actually talking about that next week. 
we're going back to some time travel, guys. Not time travel, but missing time, jumping time, jumping timelines. That's time traveling. <laughs> yeah, but not meaning to. I mean, to me, when I when somebody says time travel, I think of getting in the machine. Somebody wants to get in the machine and to travel back in time, right? But time jumping is like you don't realize it's happening. Like things come. It's not planned. Yeah. Like one of the stories has to deal with a kid that went to his old high school and then went home and his mom's like, where you been? And he's like, at the old high school. And she goes, how, how have you been there? You know, because it's been torn down for two years. But yeah, he was there. You know what I mean? He was sitting on the steps of it. So pretty cool stories coming up. I'm excited. Um, he's a little bit. Now, easily distracted. You know I'm not good with <laughs> names. <laughs> the name of the town, can you say it? Nisenjawan? I have no idea. I've looked at it. I ain't even trying to pronounce it. I could say Poland. <laughs> Nisenjawan? That's how I would pronounce it. Nisenjawan. Hey, Skook. I would rather have Dracula than... Apparently, you you noticed it pretty damn good. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want to meet him, Nicole. Definitely, pure evil, exactly. Freaky geek said I had a watch I could jump by time over the watch or egg tamer. Patrick said some paranormal investigators teams have been there and seen lights, voices, and feeling sick there. I believe it. Write down what in chat? No, easily delete this. I said it good, Nicole. I don't have to write it in chat. Easily distracted since I said it very good. I put it in chat. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole, for sharing that out. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, all right. So, um, Transylvania is one of the most mysterious landscapes of Europe, and it's one such place. This particular region of Romania has been a UFO hotspot for centuries. And see, as long as I've been studying about UFOs and that, I never freaking knew. I think, I'm telling you, my mind's like, no, there's Dracula there, that's it. <laughs> so it completely, like, disguised Romania and, you know what I mean? So, especially Transylvania. Found that people suddenly disappear. That's wild. Now, Andy's just making up words. No, I'm joking. <laughs> the one place in Poland I went to is... Uh, since it, should be. <laughs> it was that place. <laughs> yeah, it was that place. That's where he went. <laughs> if I remember correctly, I thought the Dracula, thought the Dracula meant dragon. Huh? Oh. 
Oracle, I mean, I guess that's how I actually pronounce, but I heard it's supposed to mean dragon. What, Dracula? You know that? It says it's pronounced Steechin. 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 Yeah, you don't, you see words like that and it's like, how are you supposed to pronounce that? <laughs> I don't know how Dracula was. Oh, Draco is dragon. Yeah, Draco. Oh. The most, most of us perceive Transylvania as a mountainous, mist-shrouded place, a mist-shrouded place surrounded by mystic and closely related to Dracula, the most infamous vampire in the world. But Transylvania is much more than only Dracula's Never Never Land, hidden deep in the Carpathian Mountains, the region located in a present-day central Romania. Who knows what is lurking in accessible ravens shadowed by high mountain peaks of the southeastern Carpathians. The land of Transylvania still remains a mysterious, pla mysterious place with un unexplained powers, superstitions, and UFOs ruled for a long time. People used to say that the time has stopped in Transylvania, but a centuries-old tradition of paranormal activities continues, and unidentified flying objects have been spotted in this region for centuries. One can say with considerable certainty that the first account describing a UFO phenomenon observed in Romania airspace was documented in the... Oh, Letzapultal Terra Moribi, the chronicles of the land of Moribia, covering the period from 1359 to 1594. Did they even write back then? Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Was someone watching the historical event of 1595? According to other Romanian records on October 18th, oh, my birthday, that's lovely. <laughs> records on October 18th, 1595, same year or no, um, <laughs> the city of Targovist, ruled by Michael the Brave, the Prince of Transylvania, 1599 to 1600, who fought and won a great and crucial battle against the Ottoman Turkish Empire. On the day of October 15th, a large comet appeared over the battlefield. It stayed stationary for about an hour. Yeah, that don't sound like a comet. Yeah, Vlad the Impaler. Yep. Definitely a lot of violence. Oh, really, Skook? <laughs> it's a good day. I love it. Um... I saw you roll your eyes over there. I would do no such thing. No, never. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff that about Vlad the Dracul. Yeah. The impeller. The heads on the remember? The heads on the stakes. He is a mean mofo. I did not, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that could be my problem too, Skook, sociopath, you know. 
No, I haven't. Yeah, I have real emotions. Believe me, you guys seen that many, many times. <laughs> All of my, my my emotions. Okay, so a nineteen or a not a nineteen, a sixteen sixty five German engraving concerning the event of fifteen ninety five in Tagus It shows an object in the sky that could hardly be a comet. Many ancient people, including the Hindu, Babylonians, Chinese, Egyptians, keep elaborate written records of astronomical events. One such extraordinary event was this comet observation. In one particular place or case, there was no mention in ancient records of this comet appearance except for the above-mentioned ancient engraving. Considering the duration of the observation, one hour, the event was not any other natural phenomenon, but rather an unidentified flying object. We follow some of the ancient records we learned that afternoon, December 6, 17. If we follow some ancient records, we learn that in the afternoon of December 6, 1737, a large symbol made an appearance in the western sky over Barakrest, located between Transylvania's Carpathian Mountains and the Black Sea. The remarkable red-as-blood and very broad occurrence remained stationary in the sky for two hours, then split up into two parts. Later, these two parts reunited once again in the western sky. Hi, Amanda. Hey, Amanda. On November 27th in 1793, another strange incident was reported to happen in Floristi, a community in the Kluge County, Transylvania, when the moon carried out a miracle. She made a journey along the sky for half an hour. That, I think, would freak me out. If I saw the moon actually moving across the sky... I mean, we see that every night, but... No, we don't see it move. Well, right, but I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, I think that would freak me out a little bit. Something like that. I know how I felt in my dream about the moon coming down. It would almost make you feel like you were falling. Something. You're watching the moon move. Ever since that freaking one movie you watched, where the sun was blowing up, Remember. It was with the guy from um, the office. Oh, okay. I didn't watch the whole movie, but I saw the ending of it, and it's fucked me for life. I, I, I remember the movie now, and I can't fucking think of the name. Of like it, a though. friend till the end, or death, something or something like that. like that. You had to find a friend to die with, or uh, something. No, they it, they just found um, yeah. They became basically uh, sex partners and group feelings together until boom. Yeah. Well, I yeah, think, it was with yeah, Steve Carroll. Yeah, Carroll. Um, but yeah. Hey, aliens. Hey, aliens. How you doing? Um. So the end of the movie, the it, it showed the sun was blowing up, right? Or was it hitting the Earth? It, it was like it's either the sun, it was the sun or a meteor or something was imploding into the Earth. Right, and so. 
from that day on, and I mean, I only watched it like for five minutes that ended, right? And it screwed me up to where that night, I, I remember I had a nightmare that not that the sun blew up, but something went into the sun. Well, no, the sun blew up, but something went into the sun to make it blow up. And you could see it. You would go outside and you could see the thing flying towards the sun. And ever since that, ever since then, I've been having dreams about freaking something with the planets happening, blowing up. And like the other night, I think it was last week, I had a dream. I was walking out here and there was some dude that was staying at the hotel or something. And we were talking and I happened to look up and I could see two planets crashing into each other. It's not very cool. (laughs) I never had these dreams until that freaking movie. (laughs) Watched the moons of Jupiter one night. We thought it was a UFO. Then we found out it was the moons of Jupiter in my son's science magazine. I've had that happen. Or that one that screwed with me. And he's like, that's UFO. And I'm like, no, that's a star that comes out every freaking night. In the winter time, seeking a friend for the end of the world. Yes, that was it. That was the movie that you watched. Friend of the end. Seeking a friend for the end of the world. I don't know if that's the, the correct title, but I know it was some. That's what I think it was. Or... Yeah, but uh, so Eddie's like, um. That's a UFO. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's the same freaking star that's been there every night. He goes, go get your camera and take a picture of it. I said, all right. So I was working the the front desk then. So I ran inside, went behind the desk, got my phone, come back out, and the damn thing disappeared on me. And I'm like, son of a bitch. He was right. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that? I Because I argue with you when you said it, it comes out the same thing every night. And I'm like, it's not the same fucking spot it comes out. <laughs> I'm like, well, no, it's going to move over a little bit. <laughs> and the thing freaking. It was gone. Yeah. Disappeared <laughs> on me. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's what it was. I had to Google it. Yeah. Google is our friend. So commercial airline Terum. The 1968 UFO flap over Romania. Let me see if I can. I don't know if this is a picture, the whole picture. What's it going to do? Okay. So on August 17th, 1968, the crew of the commercial airliner Tarum had an encounter with an unidentified flying object. And it was the beginning of the 1968 UFO flap over Romania with several encounters of the next period of time until the end of September 1968. During routine night watch observations in August 1986, an unidentified object was also spotted by the team of meteorologists at the National Institute of Meteorology and Hydrology in Barist, Romania. On the radar screen appeared very well-defined a horizontal line about one centimeter in length. The object was stationary at a distance of 275 to 280 kilometers southwest of the station around the city over Sofia, Bulgaria, at the height of 30,000 meters. What would that be? 
How the hell do I know? We already, we've already gone over the tank. We don't know how to disable meters from the metric system. <laughs> That's right. A few minutes later, it made us, Andy? <laughs> a few minutes later, it made a swing-like movement and disappeared in the blink of an eye. Based on the team's experience in the aircraft observation on the radar, the object did not behave in the typical manner of any conventional aircraft. All right, Andy says 100,000 feet. Okay. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> He's our meter guy. <laughs> He's the meter man. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the same object of an unknown origin was systematically observed every day for three to four weeks. Damn, I don't know. I would... Would you not go out there, or would you go out there and study it? Like, if something was in the sky and it was there every day for three to four weeks, would you go out and just look at it all the time, or would you stay away from it? You think with the star. So what would be the difference? No, but if it was, like, known. Like, if it was this picture. Hold on one second. I was going to say, what, what the hell picture are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Let me share my screen. Oh, there it is. Hold on, let me pull it up to... Oh, well, let me make it bigger. It looks like a cloud. Some of points! What about the one on the left? That's the one in 1968. That's too small. It's, it's hard to tell what the hell it is. Good try, guys. <laughs> Here, I'll pull it up. But I'll put the chat down. Oh. I don't know. I don't, it's hard to tell what it looks like, though. But I believe the one in the summer, the 2007, is the one that stayed. Can you imagine something like that, though, staying there for three to four weeks? Thank you for the ice cream. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't caused any damage or anything. Right. So you'd go out and investigate? Yeah, why not? All right. Why? Come on, go back to when normal... What is going on? My my mouse is going nuts. It don't apparently don't like it. So celebration time, chocolate time. There we go. No, that's not weird, Amanda. Amanda or it says uh, talking about looking at random things outside. Is it uncommon for some people to say good morning and good night to the sun and the moon daily? No. I talk to the moon all the time. I tell her she's beautiful. Don't I, hon? Yep. He'll tell you. And then he'll tell me. He'll even tell, thank you, Patrick, for the ice cream. He'll tell me. He'll be like, you should go see the moon. She's beautiful tonight. Oh, I'll say she's pretty. Yeah, she's pretty. So what would you guys do? Would you go out? I'd go out and investigate it. You'd go out and investigate it? Yeah. 
Imagine that thing being 100,000 feet in the air. It, it would have it, been it, miles it, across it, it, to be seen. It, yeah. Yeah, there's no way it could be that high in the air. To be 100,000 feet in the air and be that clear? Well, hey. And these are, but got to remember... This was picked up by the National Institute of Meteorology and Hydrology. So, I mean, these are professional guys picking this out and seeing it on the radar. And I still don't think it's that high up in here, though. I'd probably go check it out. I mean, I, I would definitely, especially when it was first seen, I would definitely, yeah, it does look like a smoke ring, doesn't it? Um, Curiosity to me the best of you. Yeah, definitely. So it says, what do aliens know about the strange Hoya Bakaya Forest of Transylvania? Is that the one you were talking about, um, Patrick? Why are there so many UFO sightings in this particular region of the country? Do they know something we don't know? The forest is a bizarre place that has been the scene of unexplained happenings for centuries. I'm guessing that's probably the one Patrick was talking about. Is this Romanian place Europe's Bennington Triangle, also known as a haunted hotspot? Many people have visited the strange forest. At first, they were unable to see anything unusual except for UFOs frequently spotted in, in the area. But later, their videotapes and photographs revealed objects having strange forms from round plasma to animal-like shapes. These strange, incapable, incapable of being explained appearances were otherwise unseen by the naked eye. So they're taking pictures. They're not seeing, you know, anything. Just taking random pictures and things showing up on the people saw ghost-like shaped figures, which many believe are protectors of the old forest. The trees have odd shapes and strange whispering, difficult to define noises are to be heard. The forest is more dark than green. Many stories called circulate around the world forest or the weird forest. And its own spirit has been known for centuries. Those who entered the forest never left it. They disappeared. No rescue teams or local forces could find them. Others who have visited the forest told about their experiences. They had numerous sightings of weird things. One woman who walked through the forest told that she had a feeling that time had stopped for a while. Ooh, a time story. I love them. <laughs> Who could not say what happened to her, but she later discovered an ancient coin from the 15th century in her pockets. Hello, Mo. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> the forest, I like time stories. I'm sorry. Hey, Mo. The forest known as the round field with a number of symmetrical circles on a radiated dark soil is considered to be the landing zone for UFOs. The place, however, is a very difficult to find and probably only a handful of people know its location. I want to go there. I want to go there. Many UFOs have been seen in the Bacaya Forest of Transylvania. 
A specular sighting on a silvery daylight disc occurred at 1.23 p.m. on August 18th, 1968 in the Hoya a metallic, a metallic appearance, unidentified flying craft in the sky. Reflecting the sunlight, the noiseless vehicle slowly flew above the woods. He managed to take a first photograph. That was the circular one that looked like a smoke ring. Um, when it suddenly began to accelerate, Emil Barnia had just had time to take two more photographs before the object quickly ascended out of sight. Photo of an unknown objects. Over uh, Transylvania was taken. It was taken by an amateur photographer, 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 on December sixteenth, two thousand seven. Um, on Friday, June sixth, two thousand eight, the Romanian Defense Mil Ministry officially confirmed that a MiG twenty one Lancer fighter plane engaged in a check flight on October 31st, 2007, was hit by four unidentified flying objects, according to the official statement issued last Friday. Well, obviously this is old. A fighter jet was involved in a collision with several UFOs. The incident occurred during a routine flight near Girla, a city in Kluge County, Transylvania, while flying at 6,500 meters from the ground. Andy? <laughs> Baffled defense chiefs passed the UFO incident on the Security Committee of Europe Air, European Air Forces for investigation. On 5, August 15, 1991, newspapers, radio, and television informed the crew of nine aboard the plane during a flight in Bucharest, Timisoara. Romania, crashed on the night of the Transylvania Alps, night of Transylvania Alps, 14 the same month. I don't know what that means. <laughs> what a fantastic way to welcome uh, potential visitors. Send a warplane up to greet them. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> there were no survivors, and place of accident, the Ridazat Mountains, one of the highest masses in Romania and part of the so-called Transylvania Alps, Southern Carpathians. In an official statement of the Ministry of Transport, it was said that the tragic incident was caused by a powerful storm. The problem is that according to weather forecast maps issued for that region, there was no storm that unfortunate night. Also, debris found on the disaster site was not helpful enough to establish the cause of the crash of one of the best and longest-lasting airplanes of that time. After nearly a year of hearings and thorough research by strange coincidence, it had been discovered a, not a notice entitled Mysterious Phenomenon in one of the newspapers. As the article informed a group of tourists when on a small climbing adventure in the mountains of Transylvania, while climbing one of the higher peaks about 600 meters from the Genentia Refuge, 
near God bless America. Can I get an? Why don't I just have a story with all weird names? Pretty much all you do. I know <laughs> this is true. See you, see Some persons notice strange lights behind them. Must be raining where men is. Right. At first light, the movie was lo- moving was. <sighs> Hold on, coffee time. Okay. That's what I need is a button that says coffee time. All right. At first light, I think I was supposed to say that's why it's messing with me. I'm gonna put the in it. At first, the light was moving along a linear trajectory. They still continued to climb. While see, it's not my mouth that's the problem. It's that's what I'm gonna blame. That I'm gonna blame all the problems on poor grammar. <laughs> Proofread people. <laughs> they still continued to climb while the light was moving quite quickly. At first, the light was moving. They added the light was moving there with approximately consistent velocity along a linear trajectory, then began to move in zigzag, increasing its speed and changing its color from red to white. Thank you for the lemons, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. And he says Missy's mouth likes to play Twister when she's alive. It does. It does. It really does. Oh, it happens when I'm not live, too. Um, so it, changing its color from red to white and then to blue and at last the light apparently an Listen. object. Listen. <laughs> Showed a wide variety of colors and formed an ovid shape, which turned into a cylinder like well contoured and very bright appearance. Suddenly the object began to ascend higher and higher and disappeared. Many similar unidentified flying objects have been observed traveling or hovering just below the mountain ridges. Heather says you like the challenge. I do like the challenge. (laughs) Could the object be responsible for the crash of the plane flying over the sky reaching peaks of Transylvania Alps on August 1399? Transylvania has secrets. Not really, Andy. Where the hell do you think you picked that all up from? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Freaky said he's trying to steer the words in the right order. <laughs> oh, thank you, Freaky. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's a good try. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? Like, it's funny how, like, there's a lot of UFO around mountains. Why do you think that is? Is there, like, something? Like, I know mountains are created by earthquakes, right? Because they open up and then there's bases inside of them. Yeah, that could be. But I mean, is it would would it be giving off anything that they need? Maybe. Do you know what I mean? Being the land being pushed by earthquakes. <laughs> I wonder if it's like letting off any like weird, like not radiation, but I don't know. Do you know what I mean, guys? Does that make sense at all? Probably not. Thank you, Heather, for sharing that out. Hmm. 
Yes, let us know, Mirther Aliens. Why do you... No, I'm joking. <laughs> Objects in that nature have been sure have seen in part of Europe for hundreds of years. Might be, yes. Anything is possible. That is true. That is true. But there definitely... I mean, that could be at least, you know... Yeah, like the gases. Is there like a certain gas that comes from mountains? Well, to me, yes, tectonic plate movement, that's earthquakes. <laughs> Such as the Alps being caused by the African continent running into Europe. Also, those mountains are covered in sea fossils. Yeah, also farmland. That might maybe they want the manure. I don't know. They're looking for mushrooms. They're looking for mushrooms. <laughs> Andy, call your people. <laughs> the minerals, the mushrooms, which is the tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the minerals, definitely. I think about it. That's what, when I am telling the story and I wander off like that, that's what I'm thinking. Like, it's caught my attention somehow. I don't mean, I wander when I walk, too. So it's like, you know, you guys get the real me. <laughs> I know, right? And he said, that's because, that's why aliens come to Earth. They heard we were full of shit and figured they could use the extra fertilizer back home. <laughs> It could be. Definitely could be. We're the planet of never-ending fertilizer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. That could be too, Patrick. It may have to do with gravity waves. Oh, thank you, Heather. Heather said I wouldn't have it any other way, Shadow. <laughs> yeah, that's me dancing, Nicole. There you go. Actually, that's Eddie dancing. That's how Eddie dances. What? The what? The swing thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't fucking care. Period. Um, Freaky said, but dang, we don't always see the same quarrels you do. Basically, what when we argue uh, is basically when we argue offline <laughs> or how we are. Ten seconds and it's over. <laughs> Only problem with that theory is they haven't taken by <laughs> Andy. Wrong channel. Oh yeah, yeah, I went Andy. Oh my god, <laughs> I would lose so much sleep. God, stop trying to get him started, and you stop trying to get him started. Yeah, he started it. Man, my <laughs> slap button's not working. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Kick both of your asses. Yes, behave, Andy. You got you got one <laughs> one before you talk and one after you talk. <laughs> That's what I need. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Andy. I almost got you know. You got me to that point where you're like, I almost went, Andy Scott, like I'm yelling at Ryan. <laughs> so apparently in my mind, your your middle name changed to Scott. Or it could be Scott, I don't know. But 
That's right, Andy. Slap yourself, boy. Oh, I love you guys. You guys are so funny. I'm telling you. Oh, that Andy, I'm going to kick his ass, though. <laughs> That's true, Freaky Geek. You might enjoy that. So, yeah, Nicole, don't tell him stop the... Don't slap yourself. Oh, what the fuck? It's a lot oh, like... What the fart? What the fart? You know I love you, Andy. You like disappeared now. <laughs> Maybe he's, I don't want to know. I oh damn! That took me a hot second to realize what he just said. I ain't Scott. All this hair is my own. Not a bloody wig. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was caught. <laughs> no, the reason because I'm used to saying when I yell at Ryan, he knows. I know. He's just saying he's not Scott. I know. <laughs> that was so wrong. <laughs> Oh Lord! You gotta give me a drink. All right, hurry back so we can get onto this about gremlins. Go on. So, all right, we're gonna be talking about gremlins. Dun dun dun. So it says I grew up watching a TV show called MacGyver. Do you guys know what MacGyver? I hope you guys. Yeah, you guys should know what MacGyver is. If you've never seen it, but you have a chance to watch this icon of the 80s, do yourself a favor and give it a try. Sure, the clothes are outdated and the hair. Oh, my God, the hair. Um, But aside from all that, the bits that didn't age well, McMullet and his trusty pocket knife managed to capture a lot of people's imagination forever, right? Part of the adventure part was the character of the man himself. I mean, the guy was essentially a spy who hated guns, played hockey, and lived on a houseboat. Yes, everybody loved MacGyver. But hovering over all those elements, there was a true core of the show. This man can make anything if his life depended on it. As humans... We have this innate drive inside ourselves to make things. This is how we manage to create things like the wheel or stone tools or weapons. <laughs> yes, Richard Dean Anderson, you know it. Our tendency towards technology. I can hear you bubbling. <laughs> our technology technology a tendency towards technology pull our ancient ancestors out of the stone age and into a more civilized world maybe for some of us macgyver represented what we wanted to achieve complete mastery of our own world but life is rarely that simple and however hard we try to get our minds and hands around this world we want to rule some things just slip through the cracks Accidents happen. Ideas and concepts still elude and limited our limited minds. We're human, after all, not gods. So when things go wrong, when our plans fall apart, or our expectation fails to be met, we have that sense of pride that often refuse, often refuses to admit defeat. So we blame others 
And when that doesn't work, we look elsewhere for answers. No realm holds more explanation for the unexplained than the folklore. 400 years ago, when women refused to follow the rules of society, they were labeled a witch. When Irish children failed to thrive, it was because of, of course, because they were. Thank you so much. When Irish children failed to thrive, it was because, of course, they were a changeling. We're good at, we're good at excuses. So when ancestors found something broke or out of place, there was a very simple explanation. Someone or something had tampered with it. The idea of this, of meddlesome creatures isn't new to us, and this kind of goes along with the first story. All around the world, we can find century-old folklore that speaks of creatures with a habit of getting in the way and making life difficult for humans. It's an idea that seems to transcend borders and backgrounds, languages and time. Some would say it's Far too coincidental for all these stories of mischief-causing creatures to emerge in places separated by thousands of miles and vast oceans. The Puka of Ireland and the Ibu Gagal of Indonesia are great examples of this. Legends that have seemed to have no reason for their eerie similarities. Both legends speak of a small humanoid creatures that steal food and children. Both recommend not making them angry, and both describe their creature as intrusive pranksters. To many, the evidence is just too indisputable to ignore. Others would say it's not coincidence at all. It's merely a product of human nature. We want to believe that there's something out there causing the problems we experience every day. So, of course, nearly every culture in the world has invented a scapegoat. The scapegoat would have be small, or the scapegoat would be have to be small to avoid discovery, and they need to respect because they're afraid of what they can do. To cultural anthropologists, it's nothing more than logical evolution. Many European folks include this universal archetype in the form of nature spirits, and much of it can be traced back to the idea of the daemon. For Andy says, for me, this is religion. Things go wrong, God works in mysterious ways. Something goes right, it's the will of God. What's wrong with Nicole's expression of shit happens? <laughs> God has nothing to do with it. <laughs> It's an old world, old word and concept coming from us from the Greeks. In essence, a demon is other, an otherworldly other spirit that causes tre- trouble. Now, not to be confused with demons. Or chaos. Or chaos. <laughs> so I looked up the word demon because I did. I thought it was just an old word for demon. You know what I mean? Like a traditional old spelling. Um, but demons are good or benevolent, supernatural beings between mortals and gods, such as inferior divinities and ghosts of dead heroes. Plato had a synopsis of what a demon was, and it differs from the Judo-Christianity use of demon, a malignant spirit that can seduce, afflict, or possess humans. In this sense, a, de- a demon is sol- solely a bad spirit. But demons, on the other hand, are good. 
noted that the terms are from different religious backgrounds and they would not coexist in the same content context. So with that being said, we're talking about demons, which is D-A-E-M-O-N-S. And I'll put that in chat. Not demons. Things are going to let me borrow a sword so we have a demon chaos in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, in the beginning, when I first started reading this now, I, I honestly thought it was an old world right, spelling of sense. demons. Um, but I wanted to look it up to make sure. The root word, daomai, literally means to cut or divide. In many ways, it's an ancient version of an excuse. If your horse was spooked while you're out for a ride, you'd probably blame it on a daemon. Ancient Minoas believed in them, and the day of the Greek poet Homer, people would blame their illnesses on them. The daemon, in many ways, was fate. If it happened to you, there was a reason, and it was probably one of those little things that caused it. But over time, the daemon looked, the daemon took on more and more names. Arab folklore has the jinn. Romans spoke of a personal companion known as the genius. In Japan, they tell the tales of the Kamai. In German, Germany cultures, Mentioned the figlia. That's almost like Lee's mother's first or uh, maiden name, figlia. Um, <laughs> the stories and names might be unique to each culture, but the core of them is all the same. There's something interfering with humanity, and we don't like it. For the majority of English-speaking word, the most common creature of this type in the folklore, hands down, is the goblin. It's not an ancient word, most likely originally from the Middle Ages, but it's one that's front and center in most of our minds. And from the start, it's been a creature associated with bad behavior. A legend. Oh, come on now. A legend from the 10th century tells of how the first Catholic bishop of Eurex in France faced a demon known as to the locals as the Goblinists. Why they? Why would? Why that name though? It's hard to trace. And he says, "Don't pick on Silva now." Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the best theory goes something like this: There's a Greek myth about a creature named Kabbalas who loved to trick and frighten people. That story influenced other cultures across Europe prior to Christianity spreading, creating the oh, notion what the creating the notion of cobalt in ancient Germany. That word was most likely rooted in the word goblin. Kobold, gobold, goblin. Gobladder. You can practically hear <laughs> it evolve. Gobladder. <laughs> the root word of cobalt is Kobe which literally means beneath the earth or cavity in the rock. We get the English word cove from the same root. So naturally, kobolds and their English counterparts, the goblins, were said to live in caves underground. And that reminds you of drawers from fantasy literature. You're closer than you think. 
The physical appearance of goblins in folklore greatly vary, but the common description is they are dwarf-like creatures. They, cash, they cause trouble. They are known to steal, and they have a tendency to break things and make life so difficult. Because of this, people in Europe would put up carvings of goblins in their home to ward off the real thing. In fact, here's something really crazy. Medieval door knockers were often carved to resemble the face of demons or goblins. And the most likely pure coincidental, but the Welsh folklore goblins called Coblin are more commonly knockers. Pop knockers? Tommy knockers? Um, he says, for my point is, for thousands of years... People have suspected that these misfortunes could be blamed on small medicine creatures. Tolly Cobbled? Oh, wow, that's weird. I have a couple door knockers in my store. I have Pan or the Green Man. I might have a Gargoyle one. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway. So, in the earliest 20th century, though people started to report actual sightings, and not just anyone, these sightings were documented by trained, respected military heroes, pilots. When the Wright brothers took their first controlled flight in December of 1903, yeah, the wrong brothers it seemed like a revelation, right? It's hard to imagine today, but there was a time when flight wasn't even assumed as a method of travel. So when Wilbur spent three full seconds in air that day, he and his brother Orville did something else. They changed the way we think about the world. And however long it took humans to create and perfect that art of controllable (laughs) mechanical flight, Once the cat was out of the bag, it bolted into the future without even looking back. Within just nine years, someone had managed to mount a machine gun onto one of those primitive aeroplanes. Because of that, when when the First World War broke out just two years later, military combat had a new element. Of course, guns weren't the only weapons a plane could utilize, though. The first aeroplane brought down in combat was an Austrian plane that was literally rammed into by a Russian pilot. So they were playing bumper cars up there in freaking damn. Of course, both pilots died after wreckage plummeted the ground below. But it wasn't the most efficient method of air combat, but it was a start. Clearly, we've spent the many decades since getting very, very good at it. Unfortunately, there have been more reasons for combat disasters than machine gun bullets and suicidal pilots. And one of the most unique and mysterious of the causes first appeared in the British newspapers. In not a safe game of bumper cars, though, that's so true. In the article from the early 1900s, it said that, and I quote, the newly constructed Royal Air Force in 1918 appears to have detected the existence of a horde of mysterious and malicious sprites 
whose sole purpose in life was to bring about as many possible of the inexplainable mishaps, which in those days is now trouble in an airman's life. Oh, I lost. Sorry, guys. I scrolled a little bit too far. The description didn't feature a name, but that was soon to follow. Some experts think that we can find roots in an old English word, gramian, which means to vex or to annoy. It fits the behavior of the creatures to a letter, to the letter. Because of that, they have been known from the beginning as gremlins. Now, before we move forward, I'm, it might be helpful to take a moment. Uh, take care of your memories of the 1984 classic film by the same name. I grew up in the 80s and Gremlins was a fantastic bit of eye candy for my young horror love of mine. But the truth of the legend has little resemblance to the version that you and I witnessed on the big screen. Could be freaky geek and I, you'll see why I say that in a minute. Um, but good question. Good question. Could sprites be orbs? Well, anyone wants to notice sprites or what we now call UFOs? No, I think they'd be more orbs. Yes, Gizmo was cute. Hey, Ted. <laughs> hey, Ted. How you doing? Welcome, welcome. Um, so the gremlins of folklore, at least the stories that came out in the early 20th century, that is, described the ancient stereotypical daemon, but with a twist. Yes, they were um, said to be small, ranging anywhere from six inches to three feet in height. And yes, they could appear and disappear at will, causing mischief and trouble wherever they went. I wonder how would they do that? <laughs> But in addition, these modern versions of the legendary goblin seems to possess a supernatural grasp of human technology. See, in 1923, a British pilot was flying over open water when his engine stalled. He miraculously survived the crash into the sea and was rescued shortly after that. When he was safely aboard the rescue vessel, the pilot was quickly to explain that what had happened. Tiny creatures, he claimed. He had they had appeared on a plane. Whether they appeared out of nowhere or smuggled themselves aboard prior to takeoff, the pilot wasn't sure. Is that like when we, we watch or, uh, one of the skit shows, I think it was Tales from the Crypt or something like that, where the plane was flying. It was the Twilight Zone. I know exactly where you're going. <laughs> and the creatures had to run fucking wing and destroy that. Oh, just, yeah, just late. However they got there, he said... They had proceeded to tamper with the plane's engine and flight controls, and without power or control, he was left and dropped hopelessly into the sea. These reports were infrequent in the 1920s, but as the world moved into the Second World War, a number of planes in the sky began to grow exponentially. More and more stories seemed to follow. Small, troublesome creatures who had almost supernatural abilities to hold on to moving aircraft, and while they were there, to damage and cause accidents. Oh, thank you, Nicole. In some cases, they were even sighted inside the planes, among the crew and cargo. Stories we've seen so many times before have a tendency to spread like disease. Oftentimes, that's because of fear, but sometimes it's because of truth. 
And the trouble is in figuring out where to draw that line. And that line keeps kept moving as sightings were reported outside the British ranks. Pilots on the German side also reported seeing creatures during flight. I wonder if this is where Foo Fighters came in. As did some in India, Malta, and Middle East. Some might chalk these stories up to hallucinations or a bit of pre-flight drinking. <laughs> there are certainly a lot of stories of World War II pilots climbing into the cockpit, cockpit after a night of romancing the bottle. And who could, honestly, who can blame them? In many cases, these pilots were going to their deaths with a 20% chance of never coming back from a mission alive. But there are far too many reports to blame on all drunkenness or delirium. Something unusual was happening to planes all throughout the Second World War. And with folklore as a lens, some of the reports were downright eerie. In 2014, a 92-year-old war, World War II veteran from Jonesboro, Arkansas, came forward to tell a story he had kept to himself for seven decades. He had been a B-17 pilot during the war, one of the legendary flying fortresses that helped Allied Air Forces carry out successful missions over Nazi territory. And it was one of those missions that this man experienced something like that. And until recently, he kept to himself. Foo Fighters were balls of light. No, it's right. a band. Huh? Said, no, it's a band. No, shut up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I was thinking, Patrick, with the lights, the sprites and everything, I'm thinking that those were, maybe that's where Foo Fighters, the term came from anyway. No, man, I'm awake. <laughs> I didn't even get up to late this morning. The pilot, okay who chose to identify himself with the initials LW, spoke about how he was 22 years old. Thank you for the ice cream, Nicole. Flight commander on the B-17, when something very unusual happened in combat mission in 1944. He described how as he brought the aircraft to a higher altitude, the plan began to make a strange noise. That wasn't completely unusual, as B-17s are absolutely enormous planes, and sometimes turbulence can rattle the structure. But he chucked his instrument panel out of habit. According to a story, the instruments seemed broken and confused. Look for an answer to this mystery, he glanced out the right side of his window and then froze. There outside the glass of the cockpit window was a face of a small creature. The pilot claimed it was about three feet tall with red eyes and sharp teeth. The ears, he said, were almost like owl-like, and the skin was gray and hairless. He looked back toward the front and noticed a second creature, this one moving alongside the nose of the aircraft. He said it was dancing and hammering her away at the metal body of the plane. He immediately assumed he was hallucinating. You know, you can kind of picture him rubbing his eyes and blinking repeatedly. Well, that's why they drank the night before. So if they tell somebody they've seen something, they have a fucking excuse. Excuse, right. <laughs> but according to him, he was sharp and alert as ever. Whatever it was that he witnessed outside that body of the plane, he said that he managed to shake them off with a bit of fancy flying. That's his term, not ours. <laughs> but while the creatures themselves might have vanished, the memory of them would haunt him for the rest of his life. 
He only told one person afterwards, a gunner on another B-17. But rather than laugh at him, his friend acknowledged that he too had seen a similar creature on the flight just the day before. Years prior, in the summer of 1939, an earlier account was reported, this time in the Pacific. According to the account, a transport plane took off from the airbase in San Diego in the middle of the afternoon and headed towards Hawaii. On board were 13 Marines, some of whom were a crew of the plane and others were just passengers. It was a transport after all. About halfway through the flight, while still over the vast experience of the Blue Pacific, the transport issued a distress signal. After that, the signal stopped, as did all other forms of communication. No, that would be fucking scary. Seriously. It, it was as the plane had simply gone silent and then vanished, which made all the more surprising when it re- reappeared later outside the San Diego airfield and prepared for landing. But the landing didn't seem right. The plane came in too fast. It bounced on the runway in a rough, haphazardly way and then finally came to a dramatic emergency stop. Crews on the runway immediately understood why, too. The exterior of the aircraft was extensively damaged. Some said it looked like bombs had ripped apart the metal of the skin in the transport. Ted brought up a good point, too. He says, uh, I was wondering, where did the creatures disappear to? Or was it a porthole or a dimension that they went into? Some people, you know, them off the plane, where'd they go? Right. Some believe that they can <laughs> appear and disappear on, yeah, on command. Um, so it looked like bombs had ripped apart the metal skin of the transport. It was a miracle, they said, that the thing even landed at all. But no one exited the plane to greet them. They opened it up themselves and stepped inside, only to be met with a scene of horror and chaos. Inside, they discovered the body of 12 of the 13 passengers and crew. Each seemed to have died from the same type of wounds. Large, vicious cuts and injuries that almost seemed to have originated from a wild animal. Added to that, the interior of the transport smelled horribly of sulfur and acid, a doer of blood, the acritic odor of blood. To complete matters, to complicate matters, empty shell casings were found scattered about the interior of the cockpit. The pistols responsible belonged to the pilot and co-pilot were found on the floor near their feet, completely spent. Twelve men were found, but there was a thirteen. The co-pilot had managed to stay conscious despite his extensive injuries, just long enough to land the transport at the base. He was alive, but unresponsive when they found him and quickly removed him to emergency medical care. Sadly, the man died a short while later. He never had the chance to report what the hell happened. Stories of gremlins have stuck around for decades since, but they live mostly in the past. Today, they are mentioned more than a personified Murphy's Law muttered as a humorous superstition by modern pilots. I get the feeling that the persistence of the folklore is due more to the place as a cultural habit more than anything else. We can ponder why, I suppose. We can 
we would cite why would sightings stop after World War II? Some think it's because of the advancements of the airplane technology, stronger structures, faster flight speeds, and higher altitudes. The assumption is that, sure, gremlins can hold on to planes, but maybe we've gotten too fast that even in that's become impossible for them. The other answer could just be that the world left those childhood tales of little creatures behind. We've moved beyond belief now. We've outgrown it. We know a lot of more than what we used to, after all. In our modern minds, these stories of gremlins sound so much like fantasy. Whatever the reason you subscribe to, it's important to remember that people have believed all these beings that gremlins are real, factual creatures, people we would respect and believe. It's been that long since they've been around. You know, people talked about them and seen them, but none of them have ever been caught. Well, here's the last story. In 1927, a pilot was over the Atlantic in a plane that, by today's standards, would have been considered primitive. He was alone, and he had been in the air for a very long time, but was startled to discover that there was a creature in the cockpit with him. He described them as small, vaporous beings with a strange, otherworldly appearance. The pilot claimed that these creatures spoke to him and kept him alert in the moment that he was overly tired and past the edge of exhaustion. They helped him with navigation for his journey and even adjusted some of the equipment. This was a rare account of gremlins who were nice and helpful rather than meddlesome and hostile. Well, honey? I said helpful. Even still, this pilot was so worried about what the public might think of his experience that he kept the details to himself for over 25 years. In 1953, this pilot included the experience of the memoir of his flight. It was a historic journey, after all, and recording it properly required honest and honesty and transparency. The book you see was called The Spirit of St. Louis. And the man was more than just a pilot. He was a military officer, an explorer, an inventor. And top of all, he was also a national hero because of his successful flight from New York to Paris. The first man to do so, in fact. This man, of course, was Charles Lindenberg. Oh, no shit. Wild, right? I get chills reading that last one last night when I was going through proofreading. I was like, ooh. <laughs> That's pretty freaking wild. But they helped him keep him alive. That, not keep him alive, but keep him awake and alert. Well, get him alive. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what made me think of the sprites or, you know what I mean? Maybe some of them are there to help and, Could you be. know. Yeah, pretty cool story, right? It's like having a group of friends, you know, and one person goes and fucks up, and everybody knows he's associated with your group now. Everybody in the group's an asshole. Right, right. So but, maybe there was some good gremlins, and the bad ones gave them all a bad name. Right, yeah. So that is my stories today. Of course, with this being What If Wednesday, we're going to check the UFO stalker, which is... Last week, there were 76 sightings. Last month, 
there was 321 sightings. That's down 7%. Last week, 76 sightings is up 9%. So what do you guys think? Did you guys enjoy those stories? Oh, you know what, though? What? Hold on. I do have one more thing. I just got to find where I put it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, am I going to have to? Where did I put it? Maybe I did Friday shows. Watch yours. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Good try. Damn it. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, let me see if I got time to go. Because I want to get your guys' take on this. It is What If Wednesdays, after all. We talk about creatures and all that good stuff. Let me go. Okay, here we go. Oh, what the fuck? Right? So I do have one more story for you guys. And I, I do. It's from up here, actually. This is what, this what. I was looking for a Freaky News Friday to get my show all set for that, right? So, and I came across a story, and I said, well, hell, I'm not waiting until Freaky News Friday. I want to talk about this tomorrow. So, Bigfoot or Wolf, Mysterious Tracks in Alaska Baffles Locals, right? Mysterious footprints found in Alaska have locals baffled and many wondering if they they were left by Bigfoot. The foretold tracks were discovered on a trail in Denali National Park. Okay. Okay. And preserved. They were very unusual as they were on top of the ice instead of it, which I found out why. I actually researched why this, why it looks like it does. So on their Facebook page, Ranger posted pictures of the footprints on March 8th with a caption that seemingly explained that they were made by wolf, right? These raid. Raised tracks were created when a wolf compressed the snow underneath its paws and then strongly blew the surrounding snow away, which can be understood up here. Yeah, but there's definitely a difference between a wolf's uh, paw and a bear. Or Bigfoot, I mean. Well, everybody is, is talking about it, right? Um, There have been numerous sightings. Okay, so furthermore, the tracks were quite large, which led many to theorize that Bigfoot made them. Alaska has been a lot of big has a lot of Bigfoot sightings over the years. In Wrangell, there were several sightings during the early part of 1900s that included the creature carefully carrying a three-year-old girl back to her home after she got lost in the woods. Welcome back, Lynch. Welcome back. No problem, hon. There have been numerous sightings in Port Chatham, and several of those reports claim to be tall like a like creature with aggressive who is aggressive towards humans. Now up here they are aggressive, more aggressive than I hear about down in lower forty-eight. I mean there are some that are aggressive down in lower forty-eight, but here up here reports of course, let me tell you something, guys. I will say this, and no disrespect to any Native American, because I'm Native American. The natives up here are very scared of, like, everything. (laughs) I mean, seriously. Seriously. So you have to, like, look at it as a different way. You know what I mean? Like, 
people up here that are local to here are very different from people that are down in the lower 48. Okay. I'm just putting that out there. I love my Alaskan friends. I love everything about Alaska and everything. It's just a different life up here. Okay. With that being said, um, so maybe Bigfoot isn't aggressive up here, but they're just scared of it. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Not that I want to find out. Um, yeah, Scoop, but there was a difference. So did Na Native Americans down in the lower 48, right? So you'd have to come up here to understand. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, okay? Um well, they, yeah, that's true. And it's like Australia up there, everything's out to kill you. That is true. Not going to lie. <laughs> um, so uh, another one is a man who was out fishing near Ketchikan in 1956 reportedly saw an eight-foot-tall, 400-pound creature that walked on two legs similar to an ape. Then in the 1960s, of course, several sightings occurred in the woods of Galena. Um, but the creature quickly moved away, so the locals... Couldn't get a look at it. All right. I'll put the kettle on. Well, they have known to rip people apart up there. I say, yes, that's true, Patrick. But I'm t like, when somebody has a paranormal experience or a cryptid experience up here, natives, you try to help them and you can't because they're in their own belief system. Do you know what I mean? So anything you try to help them out, whether it be a ghost or um, something um, cryptid, you can't help them. They're just um, you can't help them because they just they won't listen to you. Do you know what I'm saying? I hope I'm saying that right. There's no disrespect at all whatsoever because I truly it's because. You know, so it's hard to talk to people. You don't know who to talk to people about paranormal and cryptids and, you well, know, stuff you know, you like that. You don't talk about that shit up here anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because even saying it is a bad thing to them. Do you know what I'm saying? You're the best. Yes, Linz. Ah, uh, good try. It didn't scare me. <laughs> um, but that's the thing is is up here because even trying to take a picture of something with them to them is disrespectful. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and they don't want that thing hung them, which I respect totally. So anyway, thank you, Amanda. For the limo, we really appreciate it, hon. Um, in 1960, like I said, it uh, quickly moved so locals couldn't get a long look at it. Those living in Huslia, I don't know, Huslia, probably, back in the 1970s, saw the creature numerous times walking around night. So there's a lot of history when it comes to seeing, excuse me, seeing these creatures up here, right? Let me go ahead and show the screen, maybe. Or my computer's just not going to let me do anything. 
Okay, it's like C is coming to the show. It's like, screw you and talk about this. <laughs> my computer just totally froze up on me. Am I froze? You're froze. Facebook screws up my computer all the time. Yeah, you're. Yeah, I'm completely froze. I can't do nothing. Are they hearing us? Type in chat and see if they're hearing us. I can hear you, but... Okay. Uh, hey, Greg. Hey, Greg. I can't see. My chat's not even going. One of Nicole's heart. <laughs> yeah, it's running like a beast. Patrick says he can hear you on D Live. All right. Why is she Everybody else is trying to make jokes, but, you know, I'm trying to get answers. <laughs> Nicole says, when you talk, they can hear. Well, no shit you can hear when she talks. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because I didn't know if it affected the mic either. It, think about it. We can hear when she talks. Oh, I get it now. (laughs) Hold on one second, guys. in the room. We might try to kick back on. No. Uh, you're going in it's going in and out. Hold on guys. If you can hear me. Camera's still froze. Hey guys. All right. Hey, you're coming back. You're on camera now too. I uh, am I. A little bit, yeah. All right. I'm still not. Oh no, that's not even letting me. All right. Oh, there we go. I'm back. 
Hi, guys. <laughs> oh, I'm froze again. I'm showing you the movie. Oh, see. You chop it, you're moving. Hold on. Watch your ears. Okay. Hey, there we go. All right. Let's try to share this. <laughs> Don't try to share it. Okay. Hold on. Here we go again. No, I closed out on the other one because I had all ads and everything. Let me go ahead and... All right. Here we go. So what do you guys think? Hold on. Let me get rid of the chat. That doesn't look like a, a wolf print. Is that pull it up? Can you see it? I, mean, I can see it. That doesn't look like a bear print, though, or like a Bigfoot print. <laughs> I think it was. There's not enough gap between the heel and the toe. Right. That's a long stride, though. It could be a big-ass wolf. What's everybody else saying? I can't see. Uh, somebody put question mark bear. No, it's not bear. Uh, Heather doesn't think it's a wolf print. Amanda says it looks like someone painted a fish. <laughs> <laughs> That's over ice. <laughs> no, really to me, I mean, to me, that doesn't look like a bear print or, or a Bigfoot print. That does look more like a wolf print. I actually went, I went and looked because somebody said moose. Somebody said, I was looking at different prints last night, and it does kind of look like a wolf print. I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. Well, I can tell you now, that's not a deer or a moose or caribou. That's wrong Scoop, kind of though, with, with. The animals up here, it might look bipedal, but they do um, walk in a straight line. They don't because of the snow and the ice and everything. So, woolly mammoth track? No. <laughs> no. A lion print up here, Freaky Geek? If we have a lion up here, I'll be, I'll shit. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean... There are countries that have snow that lions live. Yeah, that's what I mean. They do step in their own footprint. Yes. <laughs> Plus, you got to remember that it the wind's blown away. I'm sure partial of it, parts of it. It seems to rise and dip. Yeah, it's it's definitely strange. But I saw that. It could be some type of dino. That's right. <laughs> it could be. Don't say it's not. It could be. <laughs> Siberian tiger in Alaska? <laughs> yeah, I have a hell of a border to cross. You can say, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, right? I have to cross several of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Nessie walking around the snow. Maybe. Wouldn't that be freaking awesome? I would. So let me tell you, if that would happen, I would be jumping on live no matter what time it was. Being like, oh, guys, I told you. <laughs> no, it's not a show, snowshoe print. No, no you know those. That more, that's well, we more know like those. A, it would more like look like a tennis racket if it was a snowshoe. No, Andy, Siberia and Alaska does not meet each other. <laughs> okay, Linz. Feel better, Han. Feel better. Get some rest. Definitely. Sleep well, hon. It's time for us to go anyway. Yeah. But someone, somebody debunked that thing, walking in a line. I'm pretty sure Nessie couldn't do it with as bad as it is. Listen, Nessie can do whatever the hell he wants. She wants. Whatever. (laughs) From a traveling circus. (laughs) I froze on YouTube. All right. Well, time for us to go anyway. (laughs) Well, it's funny. I see I see this movement. Well, no, kind of. They could cross over from the Bering Sea freezes. No, it don't. It's too cold to freeze. Exactly. I, that I know for a fact. Yeah. <laughs> Bering Sea is too cold to freeze. Believe it or not. A little known fact. See, you guys learn something new. <laughs> All right, guys. It's that time. Let me get over to D-Live so I can... Do the lemons. Missy wouldn't leave footprints. Not when she got her broomstick. That's right. No, Patrick, none of that water up in that area freezes. I know I worked I worked right there at the Bering Sea. You're the best. Oh, it's milk and cookie time! What Amanda said. Oh, Amanda said it? Yeah, she said it's milk and cookie time. Uh oh. <laughs> oh, you guys are awesome. All right, guys. Fist bumps, ladies, hugs. Stay safe, stay strong. We'll get through this together. See you guys tomorrow. Your camera just went out. It's because I'm putting up the credits. I'll try to, anyways. <laughs> now they were going. And they froze. And they froze. Okay, no credits today, guys. You know who you are. We love each and every one of you. <laughs> All right. With that being said, I am opening up the chest. I clicked the button. So, 20 seconds. Thank you for the follow. Thank you for the follow, Jimmy. The hook. The hook. Thank you so much for the follow. I hope you guys like today's show. Oh, thank all you guys. Yes. Thank you, guys. Uh, nine seconds, guys. So if it, lemons hit the chest, if it hasn't popped up. You might as well just go ahead and hit the chest instead of waiting. Might as well play it safe. Right? All right. Nicole got 79.8. Heather got 46.2. Patrick got 33.7. Freaky Geek got 27.0. And Amanda got 22.7. All right, guys. Nice. All right, guys, with that being said, you know we love you very much, each and every one of you. Thank you so much for hanging out for uh, with us today. I hope you enjoyed the stories. Did you already say your? Yes. Oh, he already said his best bumps, blah, blah, blah. I hit, do that before you try to earn credits. Hit the cookie chest. 
<laughs> I already ate my cookies, damn it. <laughs> Again, thank you guys so much for being here. We love you guys so much. With that being said, I hope you all have a great rest of your Wednesday. Take care. Be safe. Tomorrow we are talking about, what are we talking about? Outside the box. We're thinking outside the box. Yes. And we are talking about, I know, something about egos. Oh, defense mechanisms that kills self-growth. Self-growth. And we all have them. All right, guys. We will see you tomorrow, 10 a.m. Alaskan Standard Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. With that being said, take care, guys. Love you guys. I can't see. Oh, go, wait. Go. And find something today that makes you smile with your eyes. <laughs> mm.